Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're so glad you've joined us for this week's podcast. We're currently in a series called The Blessed Life, and Dr. Kelly is leading us in discovering the joy of giving and the reward of receiving. When we live by these principles, it will truly change every area of our lives, marriages, family, health, and relationships. So grab your pen and paper right now as we listen to this week's podcast with Dr. Benji Kelly. How we doing today, church? Yeah, I can tell there's a good spirit in the house of the Lord. Amen? I just want to let you know we don't do hymns around here just because we know some of you like them. We do hymns around here because they're awesome. Is that hymn not incredible, man? Just, I see some of you singing that I never see sing. Tapping into the old hymns. It's just incredible. I think we should be a church, come on, that's always out on the edge, right? Living in the 21st century, getting out on the edge. But I've always said, you get too close to the cutting edge, you'll get cut. Well, um, but, so I want us to get on out there, but we also need to never become a church that divorces ourselves from the past. I believe in hymns. I believe in creeds. We'll bust a creed out every now and then, right? Because we are a church that's taking territory into the future, but we are a church that never forgets that we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. Amen? Hey, I am so glad you are here. Would you just welcome all of our campuses? I'm not going to name them all. Just welcome them all. Just celebrate them. We're kicking off a brand new series called The Blessed Life. Let me tell you about where we're going because I got to just be honest with you. I said it last week. I'm going to repeat it one more time. I believe this sermon series will be, without a doubt, one of the top two or three sermon series we will cover in 2014. I know that's a big statement, but I just feel it in my spirit. I know the content. I know where we're going. And I believe this series will bless you. Now, let me just explain how this series is going to unfold. Starting next Sunday... A man by the name of Pastor Robert Morris will be here. Yeah, that's some people who know him. Pastor Robert Morris pastors the Gateway Church in Texas. Now, everything's bigger in Texas. <laughs> big hair, big trucks, big guns, big knives, oh, whatever. But how many of you are from Texas? Churches are bigger in Texas, right? Pastor Robert Morris started this church in 2000, and since the year 2000, is, oh, this is Pastor Morris right here. I met him earlier this year. We were in Atlanta together. This is Pastor Robert Morris. He started this church in the year 2000, and it now averages over 24,000 people on a Sunday. He wrote a book, a New York best-selling book, called The Blessed Life. He now has a dozen incredible well-selling books. It's probably like 13 now. It's been a while since I knew he had a dozen. He wrote this book called The Blessed Life. When I met him earlier this year, I asked him would he prepare two messages for the New Hope movement. And he said yes. So starting next Sunday, he will preach two messages wrapping up The Blessed Life. It's a three-part series. With fear and trepidation... I am kicking off the series knowing that I am going to be followed by the one and only Robert Morris. He has a doctorate in literature and theology. He is an incredible man of God. I want to say to you, and by the way, I've given away hundreds of these books to people. If you do not have this book titled what? The Blessed, the Blessed Life. Go to the Resource Center and pick 
this up today. I'm telling you, this coupled with the series has the potential to set your life on an entirely different trajectory. Now, the su- who, who, first of all, who's excited? Yeah, exactly. Now, the blessed life is about money. Who's still excited? That's why I love this church. You folks are unbelievable. And that's exactly the way you should be. So if, if some of you are here, like since I said money, you're like not quite as excited as you were just a moment ago, just give it a chance. Just give it a fair hearing. Just listen to the content that will be covered over the next three weeks because it has the potential to allow your life to tap into what the Bible calls the blessed life. You see, the reality is, and some of us don't like this fact, but it's just reality. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses deal with money. One out of six. Check this out. Out of the 29 parables Christ told, 16 deal with people and their money. Jesus, your Lord, spoke more about money than any other subject other than the kingdom of God. Now, the question I would have for you is why? Why is money so discussed in the Bible? And if I'm not mistaken, you guys want me to be a biblical preacher, correct? So I've got to talk about subjects like this, and I've got to invite people like Pastor Robert Morrison. Why does the Bible, why did Jesus speak so much about money? Here's why. Because money... If you understand it and appropriately live in relationship to Christ with your money, then you will tap into the blessed life. If you do not, money is the one area of your life that can shut down the blessings and the favor of God. That's why it is so discussed in the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter what? 6. Going to be reading verses 20 or 19 through verses 24. 19 through 24. Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount right out of the get-go. Jesus hits this topic of money. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 24. Listen to the word of the Lord. Hey, you know, let's do something that I like to do from time to time. Can we stand in honor of God's word? Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, here's what's fascinating. Jesus is talking about money, and all of a sudden he changes gears, and he starts talking about your eyes and my eyes. Look at what he says here. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. Why don't we read the last part together? Ready? Go. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and what? Despise the other. Out loud, really strong, ready, go. 
You cannot serve both God and money just for effect and it's sinking deep into our soul. Read it again. Ready to go. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, take our minds. Think through them. Lord, take our hearts. Fill with them. God, in light of this scripture, take our eyes and enable us to see straight. And Lord, take my lips and speak through them. For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I love your engagement. I love your energy. Let's go get this today, church. I want to talk to you today about the power of money. The power of what? I want to talk to you about the power of money. And why don't I just go ahead and tell you exactly where we're going today. I want to talk to you about how, how money exercises power over us. I want to talk to you about why money exercises power over us. And then I want to go back to the how, but it's a different kind of how. I want to talk about how we start to break free from the power of money and experience the abundant life. How, why, how. The first one is this. How money exercises power over us. Have you ever thought about that question before? And by the way, if you haven't taken out your teaching notes, that, that, that salmon color I guess you got when you walked in, turn that over, follow along with me. It'll help you dial in and stay engaged because the enemy would love nothing more than for you to start daydreaming and thinking about whether or not you put your windows up because it's raining. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> How money exercises power over us. Matthew 6, 22 and 23. Jesus turns the corner. He starts talking about the eye. Let's read it out loud. 22 and 23a. Ready? Go. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of Now this is what's fascinating. Jesus is talking about money He's talking about the power of money right out of the gate. Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever preached by anybody, of course. He's talking about money, and then all of a sudden he says, Hey, if your eyes are unhealthy, oh, how will the darkness be inside of you? Jesus is pointing out something that you and I already know. You have to have light to see. Amen? The reason you all can see me up here right now is because we have put lights on the stage. And they get mighty warm from time to time. So I got my dignified sweat cloth up here that a sister gave me with Carolina blue. Anyway. <laughs> sinners right there. Anyway. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. But listen. listen. If he cuts off. If, if I ask them. I don't know if they can do this. If they just cut off the lights. Just. You, you can't see me. You, you might be able to see a silhouette of me. Somebody. Put, put, <laughs> Oh, we're going to have fun today. They're putting their, putting their phone lights on me. You're ruining my illustration. Actually, you're reinforcing my illustration. Now watch the lights come back up. And you can see me. 
Now, if when I had the lights off, cut them off again, all dark, boom. If I just decided, you know what, I'm just tired of you people. I'm going to dismiss you right now. Lights off. Can you do it? Lights off. And I said, you guys have a great week. <laughs> You'd be stumbling all over yourself, right? Falling on chairs, falling on people. Might have some fights break out. In the name of Jesus, no, we won't. All right, bring the lights back up. Light comes in. You have to have light coming into your eyes for you to see. Jesus is telling us there's something different about the subject of money because it has the power, listen, to blind us. Money blinds us. If you go to Luke 11, you don't have to turn there, but you can. We're going to stay in Matthew 6. But in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is speaking about money there as well. And in Luke 11, he says, hey, the eyes are a lamp unto the body. You've heard this, right? You look into the eyes, you see a lamp into the body. You can tell a lot about a person by looking into their eyes, by the way. You can tell a lot about a person who will not look you in your eye. Well. Oh. So, so in Luke 11... Jesus is saying the same thing. He's talking about money, and he talks about the eyes being healthy or unhealthy, and, and, and if, they're, if they're dark, there's darkness inside of you. And he ends with this powerful verse in Luke 12:15a. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Go. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of... Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I'm telling you, if you'll have ears to hear today and maybe eyes to see, you will understand that the subject of money is different than any other subject. It's why it is spoken about so much in the Bible. The subject of money has the potential to blind you. Let me just go one step further. If you're sitting here and you're already thinking, I should have stayed home because I don't have an issue with this, Beloved, you're probably blinded. And you're not seeing straight. The Bible says, be on your... You know, the Bible doesn't say, be on your guard against committing adultery. Nobody's ever in the middle of an adulterous affair and goes, oh, darn, I didn't realize you weren't my wife. <laughs> Nobody ever does that. Right? Money is different. Money blinds us. And how it blinds us is in this verse in Luke 12. It blinds us by greed. By what, church? By greed. When it comes to money and the blessed life, Jesus wants to give you and me this warning to watch out for greed, watch out for the power of money because if you're not careful, it, unlike any other sin, can blind you. I know a pastor right now. We've had a lot of conferences here lately, uh, conferences serving different pastors. I, I know a pastor right now who will remain nameless, who is, in my opinion, I'm convinced of it, worshiping the almighty dollar. He has turned his calling into a career. And it's all about money. So as I met with him, I was not surprised to learn that this pastor, at all the churches he's ever served, he's never tithed. 
never honored God with his finances. If you're watching this, dear pastor, and I'm sure you are, as I've already told you, it won't end well for you. You've been blinded by the power of money. Money blinds us, and the way it does it is through this subject of greed. Now, what that should cause you to do is it should cause you to start asking yourself, me asking myself, some hard questions. Have you been blinded by money? Here, here's, a, here's a question. Will you pray during the next three weeks that God would improve your sight? What, here's one. Would you give God permission like he did with the Apostle Paul? If there are scales over your eyes and you've been blinded, would God just cause the scales to fall away and improve your sight? When it comes to money. If you're a business owner. See, see, this is why business owners have to be very, very careful. Like we live in America, the land of the free. Amen? We live in America, the land of the great. Amen? I love America. Amen? But I, I, and I, I like our system, by the way. But can I just speak a little bit about capitalism? Come on. Capitalism, which I still think is the best system on, on the planet currently. But capitalism has many inherent dangers. And one of the reasons why capitalism can do a lot of harm, though it can do it and it does do a lot of good, the reason it can do a lot of harm is because within capitalism is this issue of greed. So if you're a business owner or you are somebody, an executive in a business, you need to learn to ask hard questions. It's not just about the money you make, dear sir. Is your business bringing harm to neighborhoods? Is your business harming and hurting people? What is it like to work in your business? Because here's what I know about this whole subject of greed. Most people aren't hostile to these topics. They're just blinded. Like, come on. For, I've been a pastor for 25 years, going on 26 years. I have never, ever, ever had a Christian confess to me I'm greedy. I've never heard a sermon series with the word greed in it. Why? I, I've never named a sermon series with the word greed in it. Why? Because nobody would come. <laughs> it would just be Jesus out there and me, right? And it wouldn't be that you're hostile to the subject. It wouldn't be that you're mad at, you know, Benji for speaking. No, no. It'd be that you don't think it applies to you. Greed blinds us. So, so let's go to the second one. How? How? How does it blind us? When I say the word was, it's greed. Let's look at why. Why does money exercise power over us? Matthew 6, 21. I told you we would come back to Matthew. Matthew 6, 21. Out loud. Ready. Go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One more time louder. Ready. Go. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen closely. There is a profound truth in this one verse. Jesus says that the place where your heart rests is revealed by money. Come on. So what that means for many of us is that money has a way of claiming our significance. Let, let, let me show you what I mean by that. Come on. Is this not true some of you might be so godly this doesn't apply, but this is the tendency in our capitalistic culture again. 
Money, which determines what kind of restaurants we eat in, can determine whether or not we feel significant. Money, which determines what we drive, can determine what kind of significance we think we have. Money that can determine our home, or it goes bigger than that, our title, our vocation, who we hang with, actually ends up erroneously convincing us of our significance. That is why in America, and and I'm going to talk about this a little later in the message, but in America, middle class people look down on poor people. And wealthy people look down on middle class people. In our culture, and this is where the gospel has to come in and start doing surgery on our hearts, if you are not careful, based on where you land in the socioeconomic level, you will resent and be eaten up with jealousy and envy toward those who make more than you, and you will look down with disdain and disrespect on those who make less than you. Why is that? Because in money... We find our significance. Let me tell a self-deprecating story to make my point. I don't, I don't travel a lot. I travel some. I enjoy the tra- traveling. I travel with my family some. But I usually say no to far more speaking engagements than I say yes to. And when I fly, by the way, I fly coach with the common folk, Right? And sometimes when I get invited to speak somewhere, like I, I'm, getting, I'm invited to speak in uh, New Brunswick, Canada, at Kingswood College in the fall. Now, they've been inviting me for three years to speak at Kingswood. And they have been inviting me for three years to speak during January or February. Not that southern boy, she said. You got that right. I'm like, I'm from the Carolinas. You people shouldn't even be living up there. God never intended for you to live up there. But if you think I'm coming up there in January or February, you need to put the crack pipe down. So, so they, they kept asking, and I kept saying no and no. And finally, they, they said, all right, we'll have you in the fall. So I'm going to go in the fall. And I don't know if they'll ask, but sometimes when I'm invited to... to to go places, they'll ask you to coach your first class. And again, I've, I've just kind of made it a habit to fly coach. I don't, I don't say that to puff myself up. It's just, it's just what I do. Um, but, but can I be very uh, revealing to you? When I walk into the plane, every now and then, not always, I've, I've, I've grown through this, you must understand. But every now and then, when I, you know when you walk into the door of the plane, coach is this way. First class is this way. You, some of you fly. I, when I walk in there, every now and then, if I'm having a bad day or I'm not walking with my Lord, I'll look down there. <laughs> I've even been known when the flight was in the air. You know, they slam those curtains closed. makes me sick. <laughs> I've even been known to kind of <laughs> stick my head and see what it must be like. I've walked in the plane before, and I'm telling you, there have been times when I've looked at them, and they're almost laid out, those, those big old recliners, lay out, drinking and eating whatever they want, whenever they want it. I've had this thought. 
Who in the world do you people think you are? Good old southern vernacular, you ain't all that. And I turn to the right. And I go sit in the coach. But every now and then, I have been bumped up the first class. I just saw my daughter walk in because her softball tournament got canceled. And she just walked in the house. And she remembers the time we were flying back from Kenya. And the airline had some issues and made some mistakes. And they finally said, Dr. Kelly, we have a seat in first class. Would you like it? What I like it? From Kenya? Yeah. And I remember walking in and I had my daughter with me. And I remember walking in and I, I didn't look this way. I looked down to the coach people. When you're done, they, this makes me sick too when I'm flying coach. When you're done, you can be right up, right up there in the bulkhead, which is where I like to sit in the coach. You may, but you, you ain't leaving the plane till first class people leave. And that day when we, when we finally landed at RDU, it's like, and all the coach people were right there. And it's just a smugness. You're just like, mm-hmm. We just flew first class. Right? What's that all about? to make people unloving, disrespectful, and disdaining to those who are ahead, you, ahead of you on the socioeconomic level and those who are below you. Money. Why does money exercise power over us? Here it is. Because in our money, we get significance, and we get security. We get what, church? Significance. And we get what, church? Security. Erroneously so. To our own demise. When you start to let money blind you, one of the ways it can do it, for some of you, your money is your significance. For others of you, though, your money is your security. Come on. Some of you hoard money your entire life because you think by having money you can have control in an uncontrollable world. Unbelievable story. Timothy Keller. Any Tim Keller fans in the house? I'm a big Tim Keller fan. He's impacted me deeply. I read everything he writes. Timothy Keller, pastor of, I think it's the Redeemer Church up north. Unbelievable scholar, author, pastor. He tells an amazing story of two women who actually accepted Christ and ended up coming to seminary. And in the seminary, they sensed God calling them to the mission field. I mean, they sensed God calling them to leave it all, like some of you have, and as some of our missionaries have that we've sent out. Leave it all and go. And they were studying under the tutelage of the great Dr. Addison Leak. And, and Dr. Addison Leak was journeying with them and all this. And they decided, these two ladies who were called into the mission field, they decided they needed to go home and tell their parents, because their parents were paying their way through seminary, right? And they didn't know what they were going to get when they told their parents. And they told their parents, and this is what they got. 
Well, girls, we, we think that's a great idea, and we're so glad you've had a spiritual experience. The parents weren't really walking with the Lord. We're so glad you had this spiritual experience, and we respect that. But we really don't think it is very wise for you to just abandon all and go to the missions field. We think you ought to stay in school, get your master's degree. We think you ought to actually take a job, get some income, get your first house, save up, and then go to the mission field. That's what we think you ought to do. The girls were upset about this. They felt God calling them to go. They returned to seminary upset, set up an appointment with Dr. Leek. They said, Dr. Leek, what do you think we should do? How should we respond? His answer was brilliant. He says this, here's what I would say to your parents. Tell them we're on a little ball of rock spinning through space. It's called earth. And who knows if we're going to run into something, but even if we don't, someday under each one of us is going to open a trap door and everybody's going to fall off. At the end of your life, a trap door will open up underneath you and you will fall off the little ball of rock. And underneath will be the everlasting arms or nothing at all. And you think a master's degree or a career is going to give you some security? Profound. Powerful on both sides of the equation. To speak to the parents. If you're a parent, be careful. Be careful. Don't stifle a reckless, radical abandonment to Christ for your children by thinking you're just trying to be a good parent and make them secure. Our security doesn't come from anything we own. Our significance doesn't come from anything we own or use or a title we have. Our security and our significance, are you listening to me, church, comes from nothing other than the everlasting arms of God. Amen? The everlasting arms of God. Here's the third thing, and we're going to wrap it on up. So, so if you're following, just tell me if you're following me on. How does money exercise the power over us? It's by greed. Why does money exercise power over us? It is because we sell out and fall into an erroneous and unfaithful trap of gleaning our significance and our security from money. Here's the big question. We're going to camp out on this for a moment. How do we start to break free from the power of money over us. Now, if you've been following me so far, you really want to know the answer to this. Amen? How do we start to break free from the power of money over us and experience the blessed life? How do we do that? Let's go back to the text, Luke 6. Luke 6, 19, you've been reading so well with me. Let's read this one out loud together. Ready? Go. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in 
and still. Jesus says, don't treasure earthly, temporal things, but learn to treasure heavenly, eternal things. Listen to me, church. Everybody at the center of our soul, that would be you and that would be me. We have something that we treasure. What is it for you? Some of you have heard me mention my Harley Davidson before. I love my bike. I've had to learn how to pull that out of the treasure category. It is just a piece of metal with two rubber tires. Everybody has something. What is your treasure? It might be a job. It might be a form of transportation. It might be a house. It might be a title. It might be a vocation. It might be an educational degree that hangs on your wall. And listen to me, it might even be a family member. Single people. Where's all the single people? It might even be a romantic relationship that you long for and you've turned it into a treasure. Maybe what you need to do is start focusing on Christ. Let God grow you up and God will bring your spouse when he's ready. That's just, that, I, that, that's just thrown in there for free. I, didn't, I don't know where that came from. One of my favorite movies of all time, still to, to this day, Lord of the Rings. I don't know if some of you have read the fantasy books, some of you have seen the movie, Lord of the Rings. And in Lord of the Rings, there's this thing, there's this ring, and it's a beautiful ring. And whoever gets the ring refers to the ring as, my precious. Remember Smeagol? My precious. Inside our souls, inside our hearts, inside all of our lives, there are these things, and it's different for all of us, there are these things that if we are not careful, money will start to blind us and they will become our treasure my precious just to frame it in that language check this out remember this what's it saying my precious my love smoother losing his love no not never smoother hates nasty illnesses smoother wants to see them dead and we will Find it. 
Just freaky right there. Smeagol, my precious. Take it for me. What is it for you? Or or what what group of things, right? Is it for you that has taken that throne position of your life and become your precious, or in the words of Jesus, your treasure. Listen to me closely. The Bible says that every treasure that you and I start to store up on earth will require that we learn to die to that treasure and make Jesus Christ the treasure of our lives. Now that's just one layer. Let me go another layer deep. But Jesus himself is the one treasure who died to purchase you. You are Jesus' treasure. He loves you so much so that He left heaven, died on a blood-stained cross for you. You are Jesus' precious. You are Jesus' treasure for which, come on, come on, He was willing to die for which He was willing to say, I'm willing to go to hell on the cross to make you my treasure. To make, that's how precious you are to me. How do we start to break free? Here it is. Realize you are Jesus' treasure and make him your treasure. See, no topic, and Pastor Robert will do so good with this, no topic on money can ever be discussed in the church is separate from the blood of Christ. You can never see correctly with your eyes this subject matter unless you look at money through the lens of a blood-stained cross. You can't understand money. You can't faithfully live generously and tithe unless you understand that He gave it all for you. To make sure your heaven was secure and your sins Forgiven, you realize you are Jesus' treasure. And he is yours. Here's the second thing if you're a note taker. Oh, this is gonna this is gonna rub some of you, but I gotta go there. How do we start to break free from the power of money? How, how, how? Listen to me closely. You learn to love rich people and respect poor people. If you have a tendency to dislike rich people, and you might say, well, I am rich. I know it can apply to you because I don't care how rich you get. There's going to be somebody richer than you. If you have a problem with rich people, if when you're invited over somebody's house, you can't even enjoy the evening because you're envious of all their stuff, money still has you. And if when you get around poor people, listen, 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 you look down on them because you believe they're below you. You're blinded and the gospel hasn't really sunk into your heart yet. Guys, when you understand that you are Jesus' treasure and you make him your treasure, 
When you understand that the God of the universe died, that you might be forgiven of your sins, and that the Father raised him to life, that you might live this blessed life, once you really understand that, listen to me closely, the gospel humbles you. You no longer look at poor people in a negative, disrespectful way. You actually love them and realize if it weren't for the grace of God, though you could be there as well. Come on, church. And you no longer look at rich people and hate them and allow jealousy and envy to eat your lunch. No, 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 no. You power, Money does not have power over you anymore. It doesn't control you, so you're able to look at somebody who has a lot more than you and say, good for them. Praise God for them. My wife and I, we, we were on vac- You know this because I talked about it last week, I think it was. We, we went on vacation for a week by ourselves after the Insight Leadership Conference, and then we picked up our kids and we did another week with them. Well, on the first week, we were with them in the Charleston area. And uh, we were at a pretty nice restaurant. It wasn't over the top, but it was just a, it was a nice restaurant, and it was a nice place. And so we're sitting there, and uh, Amy Lynn is sitting across the table from me, and I'm sitting here, we're looking at each other. Well, she can't see it, but she can hear it. There's this person sitting right behind her at another table. And um, how, how can I say it? Clearly this person was wealthy. They, they, they had on all the, the nicest designer clothes. She had on one of those nice designer pocketbooks. I don't even know the name. Sorry, ladies, but you know the one. Um, <laughs> she, was, um, she was highly injected with Botox, too. She, she, was, she was about 70-something years old, and um, I'm going to stop. Anyway, so, so she's there, and Amy lives right here. Amy can't see her, and she's sitting all by herself, and she's enjoying a nice restaurant and a couple glasses of Chardonnay, I, I observed. And uh, I just happened to uh, pick up on her because she was so loud, and she was so mean-spirited with our waitress. What I, what I found out about this resort, and we actually really come to like it, we really got to talk with a lot of them. At this resort, all the service staff were brought in on one-year work programs from Jamaica. And they were some of the most delightful, beautiful people. I love that Jamaican accent, right? I mean, they were just, they were just incredible. And I watched this 70-plus-year-old, highly-injected, Botox, wealthy, wealthy woman Treat our waitress, because she was waiting on their table and ours at the same time. I watched this woman treat her like trash. She placed her order. She said, I need you to hurry up with that. No, please. No, thank you. Then the lady went and gave, put the order in the kitchen, but she came back and waited on us. The woman interrupted her waiting on us and said, I told you I need my food. She said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I will go check on it. When she brings it back, this snooty woman starts nitpicking the meal that's on her plate and saying that it was wrong. Sent her back to the kitchen in a very mean-spirited way. When she came back, asked for her bill, told her, I need it fast, I need you to go get it now. And Amy Lynn is sitting there, and she's just listening. Like I said, Amy Lynn can't see it. We're both hearing it, I'm hearing it and seeing it. And finally, when that woman paid her bill and marched out of there, she walked right beside us, and Amy Lynn saw her, and Amy Lynn said, yeah, that's that's kind of what I envisioned her looking like. (laughs) Just so arrogant and disrespectful and mean-spirited to a precious waitress 
who was doing a great job. Be very, very careful if you're blessed with money. And might I dare say, it's not in my notes, I didn't even say it in the last service. Might I dare say the more money you have, the greater your tendency to be blinded and arrogant and obnoxious and treat other people like trash. If we're going to break free from this money, you will know you're getting there. Listen, with regardless of where you are on the socioeconomical spectrum, you love rich people, people richer than you. And you honor and respect those who are not as rich or wealthy as you. Can I get an amen? amen. That's what happens when the gospel starts to melt your heart. Here's the third thing. You practice radical generosity. You practice radical generosity. Verse 22. Let's read one more verse of Scripture. Verse 22. Since it's our last one, come on, church. Let's read it out loud really strong. Ready? Go. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. One more time. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, if you're a note taker in your Bible, you want to write this down in your margin. Circle that word healthy. Some of your translations say good. If your eyes are good. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, let me just teach you something here for a moment. That word in the Greek from which our translators turn it into healthy or good... That word actually has a double meaning, and it basically means this. A Christian who has been freed from money, they have eyes that are always looking out for opportunities to be generous. Beloved, you will know that you have started to dislodge the power of money in your life when you look, literally look for opportunities to be generous. Generous with your friends, generous with your colleagues, generous in your communities, generous in your church. Those who break the power of money, they don't resent when people talk about opportunities of generosity. Listen to me. They look for them and they seize them. What was it that separated the first church from the rest of the world? What? What was it that enabled the first church to spread across literally the world? It started in first century Palestine, but if you know church history, it just started to spread like wildfire across the globe. You know what it was? You know what it was? I, of course, it was the power of God. I know. Yes, it was the Holy Spirit. I know. But as I study church history, you want to know the one thing that turned the world's head and got the world looking and considering Christianity? It was their generosity. There is an old letter that church historians and scholars have found from a first century Christian by the name of Mathetes. And Mathetes wrote a letter to another first century Christian called Dionysius. Mathetes wrote a letter to Dionysius. And in that letter, there is this one sentence that jumps off the page, and it is this. We share our table with all, but we do not share our beds with all. <laughs> In other words, this is fascinating to me. When you study the early church, the pagans were promiscuous with their bodies, but stingy with their money. 
Christians, on the other hand, stood out because they were stingy with their bodies and promiscuous or generous, if you will, with their money. It should be the same today. Christians who break the bonds of power of money practice generosity. Here's the fourth thing, and I'm done. I, I cannot, I cannot not say this again to use a good double negative. Don't miss a single Sunday of this series. You want to break free from the power of money? Number one, realize you are Jesus' treasure and make him your treasure. Can I get an amen? Number two, learn to love rich people and respect poor people and treat them like fellow human beings. Can I get another amen? amen. Practice radical, radical generosity and watch God start to break the power of money in your life. Amen. And number four, do not miss a single Sunday of this series. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Even if you're going to kind of kind of come white knuckling it, you know. You glad to be here? No. I'm just here because Pastor Benji told me to just try it. We'll still love you. Come on in. If you're traveling on vacation, as I know a lot of you are these days, go to iCampus, newhopenclive.org. Newhopenclive. Don't miss it. Don't miss these next two teachings. At least give God the chance to crack open the windows of heaven and give you a blessed life. Just give them a chance. Because here's what I know about you. Every one of you, without exception. Unless you were drug here. You're here because you want the blessed life. This series is going to show you exactly how to get it. But once you hear it, you got to do something with it. Any vegetarians in the house? Praise God. Yeah, way to go. Raise them up high. Be, be a proud vegetarian. You're like, where is he going? Stick with me. And I'm not going to pick on you. I'm not going to pick on you. Like, vegetarians, one more time, be proud. Raise it up. Okay, we got some vegetarians in the house. Vegetarianism, it's a, it's a popular thing. A lot of people are vegetarians now. And you don't ever have to worry about who's a vegetarian. Because they will tell you. <laughs> But vegetarian, I, I'm, not, I'm not about knocking vegetarians. Hey, God bless you. I think it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. Some of you are you're vegetarians because you think it's a healthier, high, uh, a healthier lifestyle, and that's cool too. Some of you just you do it out of theory. It's just, it's just who you are. Your body handles a diet without meat better. That's cool. But I don't know if you've heard about this yet. I just heard about this a few weeks ago. There's this new thing out. So we know there are meat eaters. Amen? Let me hear, let me hear from the meat eaters. <laughs> They're a little obnoxious about it too. Then there are the vegans. Okay. Um, and, and, then, and then there are vegetarians. And I heard about this just two weeks ago. There's this new category out. It's called flexitarians. Go research it. Google that bad boy. If I'm lying, I'm dying. So, so you got vegetarians, and they're like, they know me, man. They believe in it. It's their choice. Nothing wrong with it. Let them do that. It's all good. But... Then there's this other group, and they're now starting to call them flexitarians. And here's what a flexitarian is. A flexitarian is a person who believes, just like a vegetarian, that this is the best diet. This is the best lifestyle. It's healthier. They, so they, they believe in it. But the flexitarians, they believe it, but they want to stay flexible. Come on, man. They want to stay flexible just in case they're out to dinner. 
and they're at Ruth Chris, and the filet mignon is calling their name. Or they got a big old fat cowboy ribeye, right? Or a juicy burger. So, so the flexitarian, they're vegetarian in theory. They're vegetarian in mindset. But they're flexitarian because they want to keep their options open. Y'all know where I'm about to go. If you are a flexitarian in the words of ESPN, come on, man. Number one. All joking aside, some of you are Christian, and I would never doubt whether you're saved or your salvation. That's between you and God. But some of you proudly wear the name of Christian. You proudly claim the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. You're in church. You do this. You do that. You are Christian. But when it comes to money, you want to leave it flexible and open. And I dare would say to you, beloved, you might think twice about whether or not you genuinely know the gospel. Because you cannot know the gospel inside and out and have it do a work in your heart where you don't eventually become a generous person. For God so loved the world that he what? The more you grow in Christ, the more you will understand flexitarianism in the Christian realm is really no Christianity at all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. 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 Will you pray with me? Father, um, you're doing a great work here today. And all of this is so much easier said than done. Father, I pray that as we transition to a song that is just perfect for this moment, God. We can't even think about resources and how to handle our money without throwing it all against the backdrop of the greatness of who you are. Father, I pray that the spirit of the Lord Jesus himself would continue to manifest itself in this room, God, and at all of our campuses. Father, that we would hear your word and not Keep our options open, not say, you know what, I'm going to buy all of Christianity except this money part. God, I pray that in hearing your word and being challenged and being convicted and encouraged, God, that as a movement you would raise up thousands and thousands of people throughout all of our campuses, God, who... So they're all in, not, not just in every area other than their finances, but God, we would be Christians who understand what you so clearly taught in Scripture. That how we handle our money will deeply impact every other area of our lives. God, we desire the blessed life. We thank you for starting to teach us about it today. And oh God, I pray that over the next few weeks we will sense your presence and your power and that this series would actually change this church from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive it and you celebrate and you're excited about what God's going to do, let me hear you 
Just praise the name of the Lord. Thank you. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I want to sign off to all the other campuses as we sing this great, amazing song. Here we go. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.